So if you are a father, just stand up for a moment. We want to honor you. Woo! We got a little gift for you. Keep, keep standing. Just a little way of saying thank you. If I could give you a nap, I would. They don't have those on Amazon yet. You know, it's, it's fun being a dad. It's fun being a dad. It's challenging, but it's fun. It's interesting that, at least it's interesting to me, that, that God cares about whether or not we honor our father and mother. You know, we live in a, in a culture, in an environment where respect for family, respect for elders, respect for your parents, that's not really, it's not mandatory. It's not really, it's not a cultural value. It has been at, at different times, but I don't, I don't know how much of a, a cultural value it is. But it's interesting that it's, it's so important to God that, that we honor our father and mother that he would include it in the Ten Commandments. That, that of all the things that he could, he could direct us to do, of all the kind of guardrails that he could put in place, he chose to tell us that we ought to honor our father and mother. Now, for some of us, it isn't that difficult. You know, our, maybe our father was, was uh, kind and generous and worked really hard to p- provide for the family, was there for our needs, was there for our wants. And so this idea of, of honoring our fathers, is not, it's not unnatural. Uh, but I do want to recognize that, that for some of us, Father's Day is not necessarily a happy time. It's not necessarily a positive moment to reflect on uh, our interactions with our father, the lack thereof. Maybe, maybe you find yourself in a situation where your father was not in the picture or if he was in the picture, it was not in the most God-honoring ways. Um, and on days like this, sometimes we wonder how, first of all, we wonder why God would command us to honor a person who has so negatively affected us. Um, and if, if this is your experience, I want to encourage you that, that God sees you, he hears you, He's not forgotten you, and, and ultimately, God is the best father that you could ever have. God is our ultimate father. In fact, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, Pastor Jermaine had preached a sermon on this a while back, but it, it's really interesting. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses um, 14 and 15, it says this. Paul's praying, and he's saying, for this reason I bow my knee before the Father. He's praying to such a degree, normally they'd stand to pray, and instead he says, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And in other words, that word their family in the Greek, it's, it's kind of a play on words. One is pater, father, the other is uh, uh, patria, fatherhood. So Paul is saying that wherever you see fatherhood, that is, that is a shadow and a type of God the Father. It might not be a perfect shadow or type, and in fact, it might be uh, marred, uh, uh, obscured. It might not necessarily 
uh, correctly show the fatherhood of God, but, but everything that talks about fatherhood in creation is a reflection, either good or bad, on God, the ultimate prototypical father. God is our father. And, and so many of our, God didn't, he didn't look at the family and then say, oh, that's a good picture of my relationship with my son. No, he lives in this, in this existence as father, right? We believe in the Trinity, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, and, and this father-son relationship existed before creation, and creation reflects something that was preexistent in God. So we want to think about what fatherhood means and, and fathers, I want to charge you that your best efforts in fatherhood ought to be glimmers of the glory of God the Father. And I want to challenge you lovingly, and my, myself included, that, that our failures are blemishes on that glory. When we think about fatherhood, yes, there's grace, and we'll talk about that for a moment, but first we have to recognize that we've been called to represent God as he exists in, in triune relationship with his son. As God loves, so we should love. As God sends, so we should send. As God um, is in unity in his family relationship, so we should be, create an environment in our households where there is unity. This, this is the standard that we've been called to. And, and it's a hard standard. And... We can lament it and say, well, it's not fair or, you know, but this is, this is the situation that we find ourselves in and, and it's a privilege to be able to be called father. So what does it look like? What does the ultimate father look like? That's the question I want us to think about because we can talk about how to be a better dad, how to have a better household, but ultimately I want to look at the ultimate father and I want to say, what does it look like for for us to understand, to appreciate, and be in relationship with this God who loves us so dearly that he would adopt us and allow us to call him Father. We're going to read a long swath of text, and I'm probably going to mess up, so just stand up with me as we reverently read the word, read it loudly with me, so when I do mess up, um, no one hears. Um, we're going to read Psalm 103. Verses 1 through 14. Now, it's not the whole, there's 22 verses, so before you get upset. It's 22 verses, all right? But we're going to read the word of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He makes known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, 
so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Father, Father God, we come to you, Father, recognizing that we need your compassion. Thank you for being a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding, overflowing with steadfast love. Father, I pray that by your spirit in this moment right now that you would touch the hearts of the individuals in this room, that, that we would get a sense that, of, of the love, the, the fatherly love that you would have for us. The hunger that we feel for fatherly affection and approval and approbation, Lord God, I pray that that would be poured out on us to those individuals who, who have experienced nothing but brokenness and sin and pain as a, as a result of their earthly fathers. Lord God, I pray that right now you would minister health, healing, life, and love to them. Yes. And to those who have experienced gracious and loving fathers, I pray that you would give them a sense of gratitude and thanks both to their father and you. And to all of us, Lord, I pray that you would give us a taste of the glory of your fatherhood. Help us to appreciate what you accomplished on the cross, the adoption of us as sons, and the, the bringing in of your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name name. Amen. Amen. Your assignment for the week is to go back to this verse or this chapter and read the rest of it. It's, it's a great chapter. It's a good thing just to, to meditate on, to think about. It, it, it places us in our proper context. You know, we're, we're transient, we're, we're temporary. God is permanent. I mean, we'll be permanent, but just read it. It's good. So it's interesting that the, the psalmist opens up by reminding himself. I love the Psalms because they're, they're honest. They're legit. They're, they're kind of gritty, earthy. You know, you read Paul sometimes and you're like, I'm just not good enough. You're, you know, he starts to talk theology and and, you know, he's using Greek words, and there are words that, you know, scholars are like, I don't know what that means. And, uh, and he's just kind of at this level. And, and sometimes he gets a little emotional, it's funny, but, but for the most part, you know, the, the, the Psalms are where you can say, yes, I, I, I see myself in this. And he, David, he, he says in the first five verses, he, he's reminding himself, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within with me, uh, that all that is within me, bless His holy name. I just imagine him kind of in the shower, and he's just like, "All right, game, you know, game plan for the day. Bless the Lord." And he's talking to himself. He's he's reminding himself, "Hey, you need to bless the Lord. You need to praise the Lord. You need to worship the Lord. Well, all that is within me, bless His holy name." And then his soul replies, "But why?" It's early, it's dark, there's no coffee, I don't think. I smell, there's no shower, so I stink. I don't feel good. 
Why should I bless the Lord? And he goes on to verse, Lord, or soul, you need to bless the Lord and forget not his benefits. Do you ever forget God? Or, or probably to put it a different way, do you ever go through your day and like you're having lunch and you're like, oh yeah, God. God exists. And you're kind of like, uh, you know, I hope Pastor Eddie's not watching or listening. Or I hope, I hope you know, my small group leader's not paying attention to the fact that I, I went through my whole day and didn't think about God once. And I've, I'm, I'm with you, I've been there. You know, we, we for better or worse, we're, we're forgetful people. And it's not, unfortunately, this is not a, you know, I forgot the Pythagorean theorem. That's not the kind of forgetting that we are doing when we forget God. It's a sinful forgetting. It's so easy for us to, to forget that someone else is in charge. To forget that, that God is on the throne. To forget that we are servants of God. To forget that we are sinners in need of a savior and, and if we are trusting Jesus Christ that we are brought into this family as a result of the, the death, the gruesome death of, of the son of God. We, these are weighty truths that, that sometimes we're, you know, when we, we're on seven or we're on 28, we're, we're on uh, uh, 267 on the way to work, we just kind of, we put that on the passenger seat and we're thinking about our drive. Or, you know, we're at home and there are two kids are running around and, you know, we just can't swap them fast enough and we forget. Or whatever situation you find yourself in, we, we are forgetful people. But, but what I love about God and the Bible is he knows. And, and what he doesn't do is kind of wag his finger at us. Now, he does tell us to remember. In so many places, he tells us to remember. Here, he says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Remember. Right? In Deuteronomy, this is why in Deuteronomy, when, when, when Moses is, is kind of giving a recap of the law, what does he say to the parents? I'll tell you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says this. After he says, Hero, I'll start in verse 4. Hero is Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And, and the Israelites are like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. And, and Moses is like, well, no, you won't. Do this as well. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And they're like, okay, cool. But he's like, no, but this is how it's going to be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You, you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they should be as frontlets between your eyes. I don't know what a frontlet is, but there's scripture between your eyes, and we don't do that, and that's okay. You should write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, you don't have to write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, but how often are you, are you thinking about God? How often are you thinking about what God has said in his word? You know, if, if, if I was a fly on the wall in your household, what would the conversation be? If I was a fly on the wall in your car, what would the conversation be? What would the radio station be set to? What would Sirius XM be set to? You know, if I saw your Netflix account, what would the history tell me? (laughs) I'm not saying that you need to go watch every Christian Hallmark movie because... Don't do that. It's just going to depress you. 
what I am saying is that, to put it in the way that, that I think Spurgeon did, when they cut you, do you bleed Bible or do you bleed something else? We need to be reminded about what our Father is like. And, and beyond this, beyond our own, our own struggles, we live in a world that is oriented away from God. We don't, we don't live in a world where, where everyone else is trying to reinforce this reminder. In fact, for most of us, we're living in a world that is pushing against that. You know, you go to work, you go to the mall, you go to other places, and it's, it's pushing a worldview, it's pushing a culture, it's pushing a lifestyle or a standard of, of morality that is different, a view of, of reality that is different. Whether it denies God, whether it says there are gods, whether it says you are God, all of these things militate against what God would have us think, how he would have us think, what we, we ought to value. So we need to be reminded. So the psalmist goes and he reminds himself and we would be good to, it would be well for us to, to remember with him these things. He goes on to, to say in verse two, verse two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. I mean, we could just stop there. Iniquity, that's uh, a synonym for sin. The things that, that separate us from God. God forgives our iniquity. We forget this. We get angry at people. I get angry at people on 28 for being terrible drivers. I'm like, someone needs to get that guy. Send him to jail forever. (laughs) And God's like, really, Eddie? Really? I've forgotten that he forgives my iniquities. You know, you fight with your spouse. You just don't understand. And, you know, if you, underst- if you were a holy person, you would be different. You would do things differently. And God's like, mm, pretty sure you need to stop. <laughs> pretty sure that if I can forgive you, you can forgive your husband or wife. You can forgive your family member. You can forgive your neighbor. He forgives our iniquity. He heals our disease. Do you forget about the power of God? Do you forget about the promises of God? You know, has cynicism kind of crept into your soul? Like, I know, but mm, whatever. Who redeems your life from the pit? Don't forget, guys. Hell. I, I, I don't like to talk about hell. No one likes to hear about hell. We don't like to talk about death because it's a bummer. But it's also real. And so some days we're getting angry. And again, I'm with you. You're getting angry about the day. It's not going well. You know, people are being dumb and they're, they're not listening to me. And my coworkers are, they, they just clearly are not, I don't even know how they got hired because... Whatever they said on their resume was a clear lie. My boss is my boss. And God's like, you're not going to hell. Death death can't touch you and you're grumpy? 
And again, hear this well. I'm not trying to say you should feel bad about the fact that you forget these things. I'm just saying, remember. Just take a minute, take a deep breath, and remember. He goes on, he says, who redeems your life from the pit. And not only does he redeem, we don't only not go to hell, he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. We would be well to go to heaven and sit in a corner and just not be tormented for the rest of eternity. But God says, no, 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 I'm gonna pour out my love on you. He, satis- he satisfies us with good. Bacon. <laughs> Food. He satisfies us. This is the graciousness of God, right? So we, sometimes we just get it out of whack. And, and if you're a parent, you know this. You know, your kids are like, you know, I deserve X, Y, and Z. You know, why don't I have a Nintendo Switch? Why don't I have a car? Like, because you don't have a job. You have misunderstood the situation. Sometimes we misunderstand. God, I need, a, I need X, Y, and Z. God's like, you're not going to hell. You need to calm down. But not only that, he gives us good things. He gives us good things. Take a moment after church and think of the good things. Remind your soul the benefits of God. We can stop there, but we, we're not going to. He rescues us from the pit from death. He gives us honor. He satisfies us. These are the characteristics of a good father. Hear this if you had a bad father. Fathers aren't bad. Bad fathers are bad. God is not bad because he is a father. God is a good father. And, And if you struggle with that, let the word redefine your understanding of what a father is. And And if that is you, I'm sorry. I want to apologize on behalf of, I'm sorry. But the hope is that God will meet you, that he loves you, and that he can even redeem the bad things that you experience. That doesn't make the bad things therefore good, but it it means that God is bigger than the bad things. When when Joseph was, was sold into slavery in Genesis, he eventually came to the point where he was like the second in command in, the, in, the, in Egypt. That didn't therefore make all the bad things that happened good, but he saw that God was supreme and sovereign over these other things. They couldn't keep him down because God had plans for you. God has plans for you. The psalmist goes from reminding us of these benefits to talk specifically about his compassion. We have a compassionate father. In verses six and seven, he talks about the, the compassion of a father who cares about oppression. He cares about your circumstance. It says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Right? He, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The people of Israel were in slavery. They were crying out. They were under the oppression of Egypt. They were being taken advantage of. Justice wasn't being met out. And God heard them. If you find yourself in a situation where justice is not being met out, God hears you. If you find yourself in a situation where where righteousness is not the, the way of the day, 
You, you don't need to say that, therefore, God is bad. You need to call out to God who is good. He cares about your circumstances. He cares about your private heartaches, and he hears you. God is a God who hears you. Fathers, we need to be men who listen. We need to be men who have our ears open to our children, who, who put the game on pause, who put work on pause, who create time so we don't have to put things on pause. We need to be the types of people who can set down the remote, set down the iPad, set down the, the portfolio, and listen. Not only is he a, a father who cares about the oppressed, he's a father who treats us in ways that we don't deserve. In verse nine it says, he will not always chide, and I apologize for that word. I see chive every time I read it. Chide, it just means accuse. He will not always hold our, our sins in front of us and say, look at what you did. He will not keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. Did you grow up with a father who, who treated you according to your sins and iniquities? I mean, there's discipline, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't discipline. You should discipline, but that should flow out of love. It should not flow out of a, I'm gonna show you what. Right? If, if, if your discipline, if your quote-unquote discipline is, is I'm gonna show my kid how much he hurt me, or I'm gonna show him how bad he or she did, that's, that's not discipline. That's, that's, that's revenge. Discipline is saying, you're going the wrong way, Billy. You're going the wrong way, Sally, and I want to show you the right way. I want to show you that this wrong way it leads to pain. I want to show you that this right way leads to blessing. It's controlled. He treats us in a way that we don't deserve. He, he will not always chide. He will not always accuse and hold what you've done in front of He doesn't keep a record of wrongs. He doesn't, he doesn't just have a drawer that he puts it in for conversation later. You know, when you were seven, <laughs> da-da-da-da-da, when you were 13, and I mean, that's fine. It's funny when you're like, yeah, you just wait until you have kids. <laughs> I, that's funny, but, but he's not vindictive. He's merciful. As high, how, the psalmist goes through labors to explain how loving and merciful he is. He does not deal with us according to our sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. He's not an astronomer. He's not a scientist. And he's not saying, well, it's about probably like, you know, three or four miles. And that's, no, he's saying, you see how high that you could never reach? That's how high God's love for you is. Just pause for a minute and just say this to yourself. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward me. I want you to say that to your, you don't have to say it out loud, but I want you to say it in this moment to yourself. That is how much he loves me. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now, if you're traveling north to south, if I take a flight and I go north, eventually I'm going to end up going south because that's how globes work. What's interesting is, and I guess it's because there's no point of reference, when you go east, you can just keep going east and you'll never go, you'll never end up going west. 
You'll just keep going east. Now you may reach the west, but that's where you're still going east. So as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has separated us from our transgressions. Some of us were raised in a situation where we were told that we were forgiven, but it was right behind a thin piece of paper, and we knew it. And distance came from earning that back, right? I'll, I'll put a few more layers between when I see that you can be obedient. And maybe that's, that's how you've parented yourself. But, but God, when he forgives, he forgives. He treats us how we don't deserve. His forgiveness is complete. When we forgive our children, fathers, they need to know that they're forgiven, not forgiven until. God is a compassionate father. This is the, this is the point here, guys. God is a compassionate father. Look at verse eight. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Does that sound familiar? When Moses was on the mount, on Mount Sinai, and, and, and God had said, oh, you're, you're gonna take these people in, Moses was like, I need, a, I need a pick me up. I need to see something from you, God, that can help me lead these knuckleheads. And he said, can I see your glory? And he said, no, that would kill you. Well, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll put you in this cleft, and I'll pass by you. And when I've passed by, then you'll see the back of me, the goodness of me. And as he does that, he puts Moses in the cleft, and he passes by. He, he proclaims his name. He says, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord. This idea, this name that refers to the person who is in covenant relationship with his people. Isn't just like, my name's Bill, I don't know what that means. It's just a name. No, his name referred to the fact that he was in a covenantal relationship, a contract, more than contractual, contractual relationship with these people. Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger. That's the name of God. It's not just the character of God. It's, it's identified with who he is. And he says, and that's why you'll see this referred to so many times in the Bible, echoed. He says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Fathers, this is the bar for us. Are you merciful and gracious to your children? Or are you merciless and graceless toward them? Are you, are you slow to anger or are you quick to anger? If you're not sure, just ask your wife. Just ask your kids. Maybe not on Father's Day. Tomorrow. Have a nice day today, then let the, let the hammer drop. Would they say that you abound in love? Here's the good news. I, here, I, here's what I don't want is for every man in this room or every father in this room just to walk out like, I'm a terrible. Let's go eat at McDonald's. God is gracious toward us. God is merciful toward us. God is slow to anger toward us. God is, he's, he's compassionate toward us. 
And that compassion ought to cause us to rise up and be the men that our children need. He's compassionate. He goes on to say in verses 13 and 14, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. You know when your kids, there's these moments sometimes where you get angry at your kid or you get frustrated with your kid and then you remember, you're five, you're three, you can't even control your bowels. I'm gonna cut you some flack. You know, God is compassionate to us. He, he knows that we're dependent. And, and the sooner that you and I can figure these two things out, that, that, that our life is short and that we are dependent, the better our life will get. He says, uh, uh, the Lord shows compassion to us. Why? For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are what? Totally awesome and completely in power. No, that's not quite right. He remembers that we are supremely in control. No, we are dust. Wah, wah, wah. That is not to say that we're, like God loves us. The point is to say that, that if it weren't for God's breath of life sustaining us, we would just, we'd become nothing. We are dependent by nature. You can't not sleep. Your body just it has to, it will, it will rebel against your will and just be like, no, you're going to be unconscious for a few hours. We have to eat. We can't just be like, I don't need to eat or drink. I mean, you can, but then you will die because you're dependent. God is in, this is the distinction of distinctions. God is independent, ultimately independent, and we are dependent. And our life is so much of reversing this and God being like, no, 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 no. God is not dependent he does not do as we wish. He does not serve our needs. We don't stand you know, on the mountain as giants to do whatever we please. No, we are dependent. But he is compassionate. As a father shows compassion on his children who think that they need to get paid for their chores, who think, well, I took out the trash, so you need to give me X, Y, or Z, who think that I don't have to follow your rules. Give me your car. Who, who make decisions that were like, just no. He's compassionate to us. This Father's Day, I want us to remember that our fatherhood is intended to point towards something. Fathers, your fatherhood is intended to point people to God. When we talked about money, we said that we need to use money in a way that shows that money is not our God, but God is our God. And, and today, I want, to, I want to challenge you to say that your fatherhood is not given to you to show how awesome you are, but to show that there is a father who is compassionate and gracious and who gives us many benefits that we don't deserve. And the way that God accomplished this, we can't forget. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it says that we are adopted in Christ, through Christ. You see, our compassion that we receive, the benefits that we receive from God, our Father, we received because God sent his real Father, God sent his real Son, Jesus Christ, to ultimately be 
treated without compassion, to be treated as an outsider, to be treated not as a son, but as a sinner deserving wrath. That's, that's what God did to show his love toward us. The Bible even says that this is the love of God that God would send his son to save a sinner like you and me. Are you a child of God today? Are you, are you a person who by faith in Jesus Christ sees God as your father? Whatever you experienced with your earthly father, I want to encourage you that God is the ultimate father. And if you've never been, if you never responded to something like this to say, I want to trust Jesus Christ, I recognize that he lived a perfect life that I should have lived, he died the death that I deserve so that I might live in relationship with God the Father. Today is a great day to do that. Today you just respond by saying, God, I turn away from my sin, my own desire for independence, and I recognize that I am dependent on you. I receive your, your forgiveness, the iniquities being covered up, the forgiveness of west and east, all of that I receive, and I trust you, and I, and I, I set myself dependent upon you. I recognize my dependence on you. God is a good father. I would encourage you to come to him.